Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This episode of the On Boys Parenting Podcast is sponsored by the Boys Alive Clubhouse. Yes, finally, there is an online retreat center for parents and teachers of boys, hosted by me, Janet Allison. I'm thrilled to be your host and your guide in this virtual community that supports you with resources, classes, real-time connections, both online and in-person. I'm also opening up the vaults and sharing my over 20 years of expertise and materials with you. No more going it alone. Together, we learn, we share, we give and receive support, and we continue the important conversations that help us all become better equipped to confidently raise caring, healthy, capable men. Enjoy the Boys Alive Clubhouse for one month free trial, go to members.boysalive.com. I'm so excited to welcome you there. That's members.boysalive.com. And now on to this week's episode. Now, Jen, I know it's been a long time since you had a baby been a while, almost 14 years to be exact. 14 years. And I know, and you and I have talked about, we have spent a lot of time talking about tweens and teens on this podcast because, oh my golly, there is so much to say about tweens and teens. But I thought it would be a good idea and a fun idea to go all the way back to in utero. That is way back there. Way, way back. In fact, not to get too personal, but in fact, back to right after conception. Wow. All right. <laughs> I know. You never know what I'm going to say, do you? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm picturing a few of those moments. Um, oh, don't. No. Okay, go ahead. No, we're not. No, we're not going there. But... It's fascinating to understand what is happening in utero as your baby boy develops and the fact that, and I'm not a biology teacher, but I've done a lot of reading and the fact that we were all female for the first five to six weeks of development. It it is really interesting for me as a health writer, as a nurse, but especially as a boy mom to realize that some of these things that we see in our boys 
down the road as we're parenting, there are roots in what was, what was going on while we were pregnant with those children and what happened during development. And understanding that really helped me understand my boy. So I agree, this is so important to dig into. And yes, it, it's a crazy sounding fact, but initially after conception, the embryos all have the same female characteristics. And then, dun, da, da, it's like a drum roll of testosterone. So the mom releases testosterone and that, I am so not scientific, but that then that wakes up the Y chromosome, we'll say it that way, and that signals that the baby's going to become a boy and the testes are formed, more testosterone is released, and your life is just about to become all about testosterone. (laughs) Yes. And it's important to know that female babies and females also do have and are influenced by testosterone, not nearly to the degree as typically male babies. Yeah. So testosterone influences the development of your baby's brain and of course his body. And it is going to be, well, one, one wise person I know said testosterone drives the bus and it will be driving the bus for your son's entire life. Baby boys are born with as much testosterone as a teenage boy. (laughs) Thank God they can't talk yet. Right? Oh my goodness. One of the things that was most fascinating for me to learn about male development was that partly due to these biological differences, males are more vulnerable to just about every kind of health issue from prenatal all the way through the lifespan. Some of you may have seen studies that uh, show things like male babies are more likely this, that, or the other thing, or moms of boy babies and something kind of scary sounding. What that's really about is for whatever reason, and researchers are still working to untangle the exact mechanisms to better understand this, but boy babies are more susceptible to problems during pregnancy. They're more susceptible to having a health problem. Moms who are pregnant with boy babies are more likely to have a miscarriage or have something go wrong with that pregnancy. And this vulnerability persists even after birth. So I just saw a study last week that boys from babies all the way up are more likely to develop all kinds of common health conditions than girls are. And this is fascinating because it sort of goes against this cultural stereotype that we have about boys being strong and more resilient. Certainly, boys can be strong and resilient, but at the same time, it is completely biologically normal that they have vulnerabilities. I think this is such a good point, Jen, and it goes right through the lifespan because we all know that males tend to not live as long as females, and of course, there's many, many factors, what their profession is, all those things. And yet to just kind of step back and take a moment and recognize, wow, they are 
fragile, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but biologically they are fragile. And yet we've put this burden on them of they are strong, they are resilient. And when we can just say, oh, well, yes, and. Yes, and. Yes. This fragile part um, goes to other studies which have shown, you and I have talked at length about the importance of fathers. Fathers are so important for our children's development. Generally speaking, studies have shown that children that do not have involved fathers don't do as well emotionally, physically, academically as those who do have involved fathers. Further studies have shown that that effect is much greater for boys than girls. And yeah, there may be that role modeling piece of it, but as people are digging into this, they suspect that some of this is just this biologic vulnerability, this fragility. Yeah. I I just think that that's good to contemplate. And it's so important because we know from studies and from our own experiences that even very, very early on, people treat boy babies different than girl babies. They've done studies where they've taken a human infant and dressed it in blue and dressed it in pink and people react differently to that child. We all grew up in this. It's, it's kind of innate. It's inherent. Generally, people talk to girl babies more than boy babies. People cuddle girl babies more, especially when they're sad and upset and distressed than boy babies. But what this biologic research is telling us is our boys really need that closeness and touch and cuddling and comfort. It is essential to their development. It is, and often boy babies don't make that easy. And there's there's the famous study of taking a brand new newborn and tracking eye movements. And typically girl babies focus for a long time on faces and boy babies focus for not as long of time, but they're focusing on movement, mm-hmm. not faces. So what does this mean for that newborn parent, new parent holding their newborn baby boy? It means that you simply have to be a little more patient and also intentional about engaging with that baby and talking and having your face in their face so that they do have that opportunity because often some boys will look at the mother and then turn away and then so how does the mom feel you know that it's like oh they they're disengaging but it's on us as knowledgeable parents to be able to re-engage that child you can use this knowledge to experiment with your child as well. Having a baby is all about experimenting and figuring out what works for that child. So if your child is fussy, if your boy child is fussy and you pick him up and you're trying to do, you know, this, oh, come on, face to face, you know, you're okay and you're talking to it and this is not helping, try holding your baby facing out from you instead of facing in at you, Try, you know, and there's a lot of ways to do that. And as you're moving, as you're swaying, then there's movement in front of the baby. And this may be enough to distract him and settle him. One of the holds that we discovered when our boys were little, we called it the daddy hold because daddy was the one that did it the most, but was the baby kind of laid across daddy's forearm, arms on each side, legs on each side, head and neck supported by his hand. And that way 
baby could see things, could hear dad's voice because also our newborn baby boys, their hearing is not as acute as girls. So they tune into those deep, low sounds more effectively than they tune into our very typically female voices. And also research has shown that newborn baby boys, full-term newborn baby boys are actually about two weeks less mature than newborn baby girls. So again, we just have to, and is this every newborn baby? No, this is broad generalizations, but this is what has been studied. And this two weeks makes a big difference at this age. Two weeks is a big difference. So sometimes you will hear people say, again, broad generalizations, you know, that boys do things later than girls. There's a hair of truth to that. If you are two weeks behind, quote unquote, developmentally at birth, it takes you often a little bit longer for to have enough brain development and neural connections to do these complicated maneuvers like sitting up, like walking, like talking. And talking typically does come later for boys. And, and I think, you know, if we're to look ahead at the trajectory, and we've, we've talked a lot about early elementary and kindergarten and the challenges that boys have in our current educational system. Yeah. When we look at, oh, there's a baby that is two weeks less mature, that doesn't just all of a sudden catch up. And so we've got this two-year-old, this three-year-old that we're worried about, oh, he's not talking very much. And we know that little boys have fewer words than little girls around that age. And, you know, when they grow up, they will have, they will have their words. It's okay, but they're going to come to it later. And yet we're pushing, pushing, pushing down academics and expecting that in preschool they're going to learn their letters and their numbers and some kids do awesome and a lot don't and we make it a problem yes this is one of my biggest concerns for boys and talking about this i think will make a difference because when parents understand male development and what is developmentally appropriate One, you will feel less anxious if your kid can't do those things when they're three. So if you know that the parts of the brain that handle language mature on average three years later in boys than in girls, you're going to freak out a whole lot less about the fact that your four-year-old can't recognize all the letters and print his name. Boys, typically, they're gross motor skills, so their big body movements, you know, running, kicking, throwing, develop sooner than their fine motor skills, which are used for writing. So again, you're going to be less likely to freak out if your kid's handwriting is atrocious or he shows no interest whatsoever. Boys and girls are busy developing and they get to pretty much the same space. You know, by adulthood, we can all most, you know, read, write, manipulate. We have different levels of skill at that, We get to the same point, but the path is really, really different. And when you expect everybody to be at the same point at age three, you are setting people up for frustration. So be patient with your son if he's not there. Be patient with yourself. And it's going to be so important. Parents need to start advocating for change. It's not appropriate to set little boys up for failure. Which we do. And I've, I've witnessed it. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah heartbreaking. They look around and they see 
mostly the girls are able to sit still to do that fine motor movements in the in the classroom and he just doesn't even want to be there he wants to be outside Taking a pause to give you this quick reminder about the Boys Alive Clubhouse. We've just opened the doors to this online virtual retreat center. It is a community that supports you with resources, classes, real-time connections, both online and in-person, and it's hosted by me, Janet Allison. You deserve support. No more going it alone. Together, we can continue the important conversations that help us all become better equipped to confidently raise caring, healthy, capable men. Enjoy a one-month free trial. Just go to members.boysalive.com. That's members.boysalive.com. Now back to this week's episode. So what's happened, and I mean, you know, here we are, it's 20. 2020. 2020. There is a form to our life. Parents have to work. There's the expectation that your son is going to go to preschool and do all those things. But we have to continue to advocate and make aware that many, many programs are very female friendly and not very male friendly. And so you as the parent have to advocate and do your research mm-hmm. when you decide, oh, he's going to go to this preschool because, oh, the classroom looks nice. Well, you better make sure that there's plenty of opportunity to move mm-hmm. and be outside. And I love that forest preschools are becoming more prevalent, at least here on the West Coast. And I just found out there's a nature grade school Within 30 miles of me here in Wisconsin. So excited by that. And if you are um, listeners, if you're not familiar with the concept of forest preschools, Janet, can you explain it a little bit? Yes. And that fact, I had a good friend who um, had a forest preschool in Southern Oregon. And to see those children outside every single day doing outside work and learning as they're working. And, you know, there's the saying that there's no bad weather, only bad clothing. And these kids have their yellow overalls and they're dressed for the weather and they're out looking at bugs and they're digging in the dirt and playing with water and taking hikes and walking along logs and doing all those things that kids are meant to be doing. Children, little children developmentally are not meant to be sitting crisscross applesauce on a carpet. All of that movement, that kind of movement is what our kids do innately. You watch your kids growing up. That is how they learn. They explore, they go, they check things out, they watch, they observe, they experiment. It's how our children are designed to learn. It's good for their physical development. It's good for their mental development. And yes, kids learn academics in this way too. You can develop your counting skills in the woods. Kids are natural collectors. I don't think anybody has ever gone on a walk with a toddler and not come home with a random assortment of pebbles or acorns or bird feathers or whatever it is you happen to find. So there's sorting, there's classifying, there's counting. You can practice your letter writing in the snow, in the sand. There's all these other ways to build skills. Now, 
you may not have a forest preschool near you. I didn't when my kids were growing up. If you do, fantastic. Highly recommend it. Check it out. But if you don't, these are some other things that you can be doing at home. Even if you don't have an optimal preschool device, an optimal preschool environment, but yeah, you need some place for your kids so you can go to work. Find the best place that you can and be sure to give your child opportunities to develop, to develop his skills and his knowledge in ways that make sense for him. Absolutely. And, and within that, Jen, you spoke to the real truth about boys. And that is when a boy's body is in motion, his brain is in motion. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. But a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot Easy Melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. When you ask a boy to sit still, his brain turns off. Yep. It took me a long time to learn that as a mom of boys. I pictured reading together as this cute, we cuddle up on the couch and it's this closeness and we read and my boys didn't want to do that, Janet. Like within a minute, usually. They're tumbling off the couch. Somebody's on the floor playing with a matchbox car. Somebody is like on his back doing something with Legos or a little, I don't know, some action figure. And to me, as a woman, it looks like they're not paying attention. So I would stop reading. Mom, mom, why'd you stop? What happened? They were listening. But for them, they were much more engaged if they could be moving at the same time I was reading. Once I realized that, I purposefully developed that sometimes. So I would literally go sit outside on the edge of the sandbox as they're creating, you know, castles and roads and cities in there, and I would read. Nice. Yeah, it's so counter to what many females prefer. Yes. But if you're a mom of a boy, just as you've said many times, Jen, you've given up your couch a long time ago. <laughs> Um, when Sam leaves leaves home, I know that you'll probably get a new one. But hell yes, 
it's fine. I have a funny story about that. I recently stumbled across something I wrote and this was years ago, but it was one of these days where it was before lunchtime, you know, the kids were outside um, and I was reading to them in the sandbox. And my littlest one looked up at me and he said, what would you be doing right now if you didn't have kids? And I said, uh, probably I'd be inside writing or working. And he goes, huh, so your life would be more boring. And I said, yes, exactly. That makes me want to cry. I'm so glad I wrote that down because otherwise you don't remember those moments necessarily. So on that day, I was a little frustrated because I had work that I wanted to do. I did have things I needed to do. And I had these small people who needed me. Uh, and you know what? When you're the grown up, it's not always fun to sit on the edge of a sandbox. No, it's, it's not. not. It's not. But there's value to it. Yes. So also a couple of things I want to make sure that we talk about is that we have because of our society, because of where we're at, we have adultified our children. We've adultified the timeline of our children. So it's, you know, oh, you have to get up and we've got to get to daycare, preschool, and, and absolutely yes, and to recognize that our little kids operate on a different timeline. They may need more sleep. They may want to be active when it's time to be quiet and and to just recognize that they do operate on a different schedule and allow that when you can maybe it's the weekends you loosen up on things a little bit but and i think part of it is just recognizing it it's not like you can always fix it or do things differently because we do have schedules to follow but just to know oh this is a transition for them. This is difficult for them. How can I ease this adultifying of their lives? As you're talking, I'm thinking about the fact that I'm 47 years old and it is still really hard for me to drag myself out of bed in the morning before the sun is up, especially in winter when it's cold. I hate that. And I'm an adult. I know why I have to get up. I know what I have to do. I know the consequences of if I don't do it. I understand all of that. Now imagine that you're three years old and somebody comes into your room and wakes you up and says you have to get up. That's hard. It's hard. And, and you're right. We may not be able to avoid it because we have lives. But having that empathy and looking at it from your child's point of view can help you recognize that your son is not trying to make your morning difficult. He's not trying to make you late for work. And he's not purposefully being bad as much as he may be struggling with what you were struggling with this morning. You're having a hard time waking up today. Shh, it happens to our- buddy. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it happens to our littles too. They have mornings where it's hard to wake up and they don't want to get out of their warm bed. And then you ask them to put on these clothes and it's a little bit scratchy and boom, you have a meltdown. Yeah. And this is all about transitions. And you and I both hear from so many parents, so many struggles around transitions. And if you put yourself in, in your child's body for a day and look at 
getting out of bed. Oh, now I got to get in the car. Now I got to get to school and or daycare. And now I have to do X, Y, and Z when the teacher says, and you better do it right away or you're going to be in trouble or you're going to be labeled. And he may have just gotten settled playing with blocks and, oh my gosh, now it's snack time or it's time to go outside, but wait, I'm hungry. And no, we don't eat till after we go outside. So just recognizing that, as you said, having empathy for this little child and this little body that maybe is hungry when they're supposed to be doing something else and doesn't want to follow the, the format of the day. And that not that we can change that, but we can have more empathy around what might be going on for them. When we talk about what our little boys need, more than anything, I would say it is our compassion and our connection. And that applies through all, all layers. We can apply that to transitions, recognizing that most of the time we're asking them to do something they don't want to do. Why would they respond positively to that? Yeah. You know, it doesn't even make sense if you really think about it. So if you can keep in mind your guiding light that the biggest thing these boys need right now is compassion and connection. Yes, you have to set and establish boundaries. Yes, you still have to run your life, get to work, get your kids where they need to go, but keep coming back to connection and trying to establish that and enrich that and maintain that as often as possible. I think that will uh, have a positive difference in your lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Part of this too, I want to be sure that we mention because it is so prevalent in everyone's lives is screens. I was at my niece's book fair one day and, and a mom had her little boy there who was probably, mm, probably three and he was getting close to being done with being at the book fair. He wanted her phone, of mm -hmm. course, and she handed it, it to him and just kind of to herself said, oh, he's going to cry if I don't give it to him. If we can begin to recognize what we're doing and how this is impacting our boys around language development, you know, yeah, you're going to have those moments when, oh, just give him something to, it might mm -hmm. be a snack or whatever, like this needs to head off at the pass. But looking at his days, his weeks overall, and recognizing how our interaction with them, all those, you know, when you were, when you have young children, you're narrating your day all you're the time self out loud to them. And you're saying all those little goofy little things, or maybe you're singing some little songs. All of this is helping lay down the pathways for his language development. And for boys, that is so essential. Girls tend to come with a little more language development and our boys need a little help. As we said, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're less mature than girls. They come to words later and in school, they will come to writing and reading a bit later typically. And so the more you can be talking and interacting with your boy, you're giving them the gift of language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But every time you put a screen in front of him, you are typically not interacting then in language. So that screen, 
you know, we have our kids in strollers, our little babies in strollers, and often the strollers are facing away from the parents. And I, I see, and this is a pet peeve, my girls will tell you, this drives me crazy, but when babies are in front packs and they're facing out, it's like you are just pushing your baby into the world in all the, the noises, the sights, the sounds, and it's so much for your baby to compute. It's, it's overwhelming. Your baby needs you, needs to hear like you were saying when, you're, when your boy's dad was holding and hearing the, the sound of the voice in the chest. They need to hear your voice, see your face, connect with your smell, rather than having them facing out to the world as, as little ones. And also recognizing when they're in a stroller you're also not talking with them as much as you would be if they were walking beside you or you were holding them or interacting. And, and not that you're not ever going to put your baby in a stroller, but to recognize how much am I interacting? Are we missing out on some of that little chatter that we do? And knowing that all of that chatter is helping your son develop his language skills. Research has shown that it is that human to human, usually parent to child, but of course other adults can do this as well, interaction. That is where language development happens. It does not happen in the same way when watching TV, when interacting with the screen. There's certainly language on the TV and language in the screens, but it doesn't have the same effect because there's all these other things going on, facial expressions and movement and our babies are learning to read all that from us too and pull it together and really understand communication. That interaction is crucial, one of the most important things for human development. That said, I want to reassure parents and say, no, you do not have to be talking with them all the time. You don't have to interact with them all the time. And you know what? If you have a boy baby and you've tried this, having them in in the front thing, and they're just not liking it because they want to see the world and that works better, go for it. Yeah. You know your kid better than we do you probably will not have a screen-free household. It's 2020. Screens are an integral part of our lives. And yes, you're going to want your child to learn how to use screens appropriately, to um, have the advantages that come with having access to the world via a screen. But if you can hold off as long as possible, if you can use real books you know, physical books rather than just relying on, you know, your Kindle or your tablet. There's great stuff on there, but make sure you're exposing your child to physical books as well. Research has shown that whole touching of the pages and flipping through helps children understand things like beginning, middle, and end in a way that swiping on a tablet does not. It's about being mindful of how we use these tools. I hope this has been interesting. Even if you have tweens and teens, it's kind of fun to go back and think about your child when he was a baby. And maybe you're looking ahead to being a grandparent, as some of us are. And just being observers, watching babies in the grocery store and noticing how they interact with the world. I think it's fascinating. And I hope this has helped our listeners maybe understand a little bit more about the young ones that they are loving and caring for. 
as we share this information with each other, we want to empower you to share it with your friends and family as well. Don't lecture the person next to you at the grocery store, but when we share this information, we can all be more compassionate to our little ones and we can begin to advocate for and provide what our little boys really need to develop into great men. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.